But, but the word of the Lord today is uh, don't get discouraged and uh, that you need to use the right key. And all this is going to make sense in just a moment. If, if you've got your Bibles, you can look at Matthew chapter 16. That's where we're going to start today. And the, uh, and the other day, uh, there's some work being done on, on my car. And uh, so I, I've been driving the church van. And I was, I was really in a hurry this day. I had a lot of things. Can I see the hands of all the people sometimes? You really get in too big of a hurry. And uh, uh, we, we just kind of really, really revved up. I was revved up that day. And I, I ran out, got in the church van, and, and put that key in the ignition, and it wouldn't work. Would not turn. And I thought, oh, God, I do not need this today. And I tried again. I thought, okay, I don't drive the van that much, so maybe it's the steering mechanism. You know how you need to get a steering mechanism? Yeah, just right. Man, I just about jerked that thing right off the steering column. I just could not get it to go. And Okay, maybe I need to hit the brake, and I'm hitting the brake, and I'm, that's not working. I thought, okay, maybe if I can just crank this thing in, in the gear shift. And I was working on that thing. It's a wonder I didn't break it. Nothing was working. And, and in, in my mind, I'm thinking, all these thoughts, just like, okay, electrical system, starter system, uh, something didn't go right. Uh, maybe I can call Andy Gahabe. Where's Andy Gahabe? What am I going to do? have to have the thing. All, all this stuff just flooding through me. Have you ever been there and done that? It's just like, okay, God, I just really don't need this. And I'm just finding myself getting really upset, totally distracted from what I started out to do. And I just happened to look over and on the passenger seat, I see the keys to the van laying there. And I think, well, that, that can't be. I got the keys in the ignition. And I look back up there, and the key to my Buick, I don't know why they would have ever designed it this way, but it fits the key to the van. The only problem is it doesn't turn the van on. It won't turn. And I am ready to rip the whole car apart. And what happened was I've used the wrong key. Now, Three or four minutes earlier, I am totally on fire to do what I've called to do. I'm feeling great, the joy of the Lord, the fruit of the Spirit. And all of a sudden, through a moment of distraction, using the wrong key, I have lost it and I'm totally distracted. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, been there, done that. Now, the Word of God is in Matthew 16, 13. We're going to be talking today. We have been given everything that we have need of to accomplish God's plan and God's purpose for our life. Before we read that scripture, I just happened to think of another one. It's really, it's, it's funny now. It wasn't funny at the time. I have never had a high-powered weed eater. And uh, so a couple years ago, I, I, I decided I was walking through the, how many of you guys, girls too maybe, but how many of you guys love to go through Lowe's? Just places like, they got all, they got these toys. We, we never grow up as men because we're still little boys. The toys are just more expensive. But they had this weed eater and I thought, man, I've never had a really good weed eater. So I bought this weed eater. That sucker was something. I could cut down anything with that weed eater. So the first day I'm, I'm using it, I, and bought my little goggles, my little glasses and all this. I'm really looking cool out there. So I'm, I'm weed eating, doing my thing. 
And all of a sudden, I come around the corner, and it felt like a bee snung me. And I looked down, and there's blood everywhere on my leg. I had shorts on. I got blood running everywhere. I thought, oh, my goodness. I got distracted by something, apparently, and this weed eater took a big chunk out of my leg. And uh, so, so I bent down without taking the handle off the weed eater. I bent down to take my leg, and all of a sudden, I hear this crunching metal sound. And I look up, and I got two whole sides of my house, and, and the aluminum siding is all gone. It's just, like, ripped all apart. I thought, now, I can laugh about it now, because <laughs> that's a really good weed eater. <laughs> so I got my leg gashing and blood going everywhere through a distraction. I got my house, has two aluminum sides, that Andy finally came and replaced it. Distraction can be very annoying sometimes. <laughs> I still got my weed eater, but I've learned how to use it. I have learned that if you need to move the weed eater around somewhere and not going to use it, turn it off. And it works fine. Now, if you're using the right key, you can accomplish what God's called you to accomplish on this earth. By the way, put up the pictures of the boys in the Sudan there. I wanted to show that. We have three of our original boys. Oh, that's Nepal. Go ahead. Go ahead. We'll run a little bit of it. We are praying about this project that we're going to rebuild a church in Nepal. It's an $8,000 project. Uh, we have a missionary over there on the scene, Deborah Strong. We've been in contact with her, and we're going to start flowing some cash to her to help uh, the people over there in Nepal by building the church. It'll help us uh, uh, affect a larger sphere, and you're going to be getting an email from me. So you can go ahead and cut that one right now. But uh, we need to continue to pray for those people in Nepal. They had first the earthquake, and then the aftershock was almost the same. These are three of the boys that we picked up. How many years ago did we say it was? Yeah, and, and I, I think Bill Abbey was about six. That's my boy in the middle. Now, it just happened to pick, throw it, send his picture, but that's Bill Abbey. He may be president over there someday, I think. I don't know. But anyway, those are three boys. They have all come out of the orphanage now, become young men, and they're in high school. We need to give the Lord a hand for all that. Every dollar that was needed to educate those children and their medical expenses and their food has been covered and paid for. I'm just so excited. Thank God for each and every one of you who have prayed for the project, given to the project, and uh, great things are coming ahead. And the other day, I, I, I got something in my spirit. I, I, I don't I don't know if it's from the Lord or not, but it sure felt good. It's like, okay, these are in high school. We are so excited now. And I was praying, and, and I, this is what I heard. And I haven't even shared this with you. I said, some of them are going to go to college. And I thought, that's really great, Lord. And then it was just silence. And then I thought, well, who's going to send them? <laughs> How many of you have found out that when God tells you to do something, there's usually a reasoning process of money involved? Almost always. And and uh, and and I thought the Lord showed me how to do it. So I, I haven't discussed this one with you yet. But anyway, I talked to the finance committee, and I said, "Look, I mean the uh, the the trustees. I haven't talked to the finance committee yet, but trustees." And I said, "If we spend, if we send eight thousand dollars." to the Sudan, we can rebuild a church, they can distribute the food, the water, all the medical supplies, all that kind of stuff, and then we'll have a church over there that we can continue to support, and then if we send the missionary about $1,000 a month, she can take care of all the people that are living in the jungle. People over there are living in the jungle right now, and uh, all of them said fine. So I said, glory to God, we will do it. You will never, ever outspend God's ability to do what he told you to do. Tell your neighbor, this is for you today. This is for you. Now, 
we, we have to be careful when we're serving God that we don't become distracted by all of the things that are out there in the world, the reasoning process of the world. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? I was writing something the other day, and it, it just, it, it would exalt Jesus, but I wasn't positive it was God. And finally, when I got done writing, I said, God, I don't know how to do that. And this is what I hear, heard. I hear this all the time when I'm writing something that I think is God. God, I don't know how to do that. And this is what I hear. I do. It's like, okay. How many of you realize God knows more than you do? This may be revelation. Turn to your neighbor and say, God knows more than you do. This may be the only time you can tell your wives that. Father. Okay, now, in Matthew chapter 16, I am going to get back there. Jesus is coming into Caesarea Philippi, and he turned to the group with them, the disciples, and he said, Hey, who do people say that I am? And then, and they answered, well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah. You know, some of them say that you're one of the, pri- the uh, prophets. But then he turned to Peter and said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, and he said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, he had revelation. Now, when you have revelation knowledge, you know that you know that you know, and nothing can stop you from what you know and what you believe. And then he goes on in verse number 18 and said, And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, what that means is that we have the power when we are doing the will of God in the heavenlies, not where God lives. God is in heaven, in the first heaven, but in, in the third heaven. But in the heavenlies, right above us, we, we, there's demonic warfare. There's powers and principalities of darkness. There are angelic beings hearkening under the voice of God and under the voice of your angels to your voice. And so what we have the ability to do is to bind the work of the devil, to loose the power of God, and we do that through our words and through our actions and through our deeds. But if we get distracted then what we'll start to do is to describe all of the obstacles that we have. We start to come up with a negative report, somewhat like the children of Israel when they were in Numbers chapter 30. They came back, they saw the promised land, and they had the promise of God, and they knew exactly what God said. But then instead of describing what God said, 10 of the spies described what they saw that was seemingly to them contrary to what they were able to do in the arm of the flesh. But we aren't living by the arm of the flesh. We are moving by the Spirit so we can accomplish anything that God said. Caleb and, and, uh, Caleb and Joshua said, we are well able. The ten spies who saw the problem said, we are not able. It changed the destiny of mankind. Now, Jesus then gave us an illustrated message right here as you read on in verse number 21, 22, and 23, when from that time Jesus began to show the disciples what he must suffer going to Jerusalem and all of the things that would happen. And Peter said, oh, far, from, uh, far from you, Lord, that this is going to happen to you. In other words, he, Jesus, was contradicted by Peter on what he was called to do. And Jesus turned around to Peter, one of his disciples, and said, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. He rebuked him 
and really bound the power that was trying to contradict the will of God. Jesus went to the cross, gave his life, suffered a horrible death, descended into the pit of hell, defeated the works of the devil, and rose again, not because of something the devil did. It was God's plan for him from the very beginning, and Jesus knew it. And Jesus fulfilled God's plan. And he rebuked and bound the powers and principalities that was trying to pervert God's plan. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God's got a plan for your life. Now, if you don't diligently focus on what God has for you, you will take control and you'll do your own thing. And there's a lot of people that are distracted from the, this is really unbalanced today. I got all the people over here in empty seats right here. I'm trying to figure out which way to go. There's empty seats in the second row and all you people are over here in this section. I think I'll come over here for a minute. <laughs> then it says in verse number 24 of Matthew 16, if anyone, desi- desi- if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it if a man, if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of the Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works." Do you know you have works to do for God? And if you go get distracted, you'll do them. But everything that God wants you to do will probably come with the opportunity to be distracted by what happened. Jesus was, was potentially distracted by what Peter said. Peter said, oh, no, 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 this is not going to happen to you. And he rebuked him. He bound that thing and said, yeah, it is going to happen. He didn't say that in the word, but it is going to happen exactly the way God said. And that whatever God wants you to do, you are equipped to do it because God is going to equip you. Does that make sense to all of you? Wave your hand if that makes sense to you. Now, what you can't do in the process is allow yourself to get distracted with thinking about things are the world. The the body of Christ has the tendency sometimes to get distracted by all of the things that are out there in the world. And in the book of Luke, how many of you have a tendency to be distracted easily? Can I see your hand? Oh, glory to God. Maybe that's why I'm in this section. This section hadn't raised. Nobody over here raised their hands. Every one of you over here raised your hands. This is the distracted section. Okay, I came the right way. Uh, but, but all of us do at one time or another. We can be easily distracted. And, and we're going to share in the book of Luke chapter 10, if you want to turn over there. But it's the story of Mary and Martha. And it's the story about how Jesus came in. It says in Scripture, to Martha's house. It, it belonged to both of them, we think, Mary and Martha. They were sisters. But both of them started at the feet of Jesus when he came and sat down in the home. The Son of God was in the house, and they were both there sitting, listening to what God had to say in the flesh. And I think about how sometimes when I'm, I like to go behind Walmart. It's real quiet. Nobody's ever there. And uh, and I like to go way back there in the back and just sit and pray and write what God shows me and kind of like sitting at the feet of Jesus. All of you need a place like that somewhere. And and I'm sitting there writing, and, and then sometimes the things I write, it's like, oh, God, th- this is going to have to be you. I don't know how to do that. And always I hear the same thing. I do. 
I, I know how to do that. As as God is telling me that, and I, and, and I write that down. But then when I get finished writing, my mind kicks in, and I start to think about how to do it, how to do something. If God tells you to do something, you don't have to think about how to do it. You have to ask him how to do it. Does that make sense? In other words, if he's telling you what to do, he also wants to tell you how to do it so that you'll know that it was him from start to finish. Well, Jesus is sitting here sharing from his heart with the sisters. And it says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, now obviously she'd already gotten up because she started sitting at the feet of Jesus, which is where all of us should be. But it said that Martha was distracted with much serving after she had gotten up. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, 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 you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, when you become distracted, many times that means you're going a direction you shouldn't be going. You're thinking about things you shouldn't be thinking about. And what you do then is to start to worry. Distracted people have a tendency to worry a lot. When you start to worry, all of us have had to fight worry. But when you start to worry, you open your door to fear, to doubt, and to unbelief. You're trying to figure out something that you can't figure out. If you could figure it out, you wouldn't be worried. Does that make sense to all of you? In other words, if I could figure it out, I wouldn't be worried about it. But what, what you're trying to do is you're going down a distracted road from where you should be looking and focusing. Who gave you your instructions? God did. Well, then who will show you how to do it? God will. And if you don't know what to do, then wait upon the Lord. He will renew your strength. And eventually, He will show you exactly what He wants you to do. Now, That is called faith, and we all have the measure of faith. But what we do with our faith determines how far we go with it. We have a finance committee in this church. We have uh, uh, trustees in this church. And when the situation came up with with Nepal, and it was 8,000, we don't have $8,000 just laying around. How many of you got $8,000 laying around? If you do, we'll tap into it right now because that's exactly what we, we you know, we just didn't have $8,000 laying around. And, uh, and so when I, I got that and I thought, well, God, I think that's you. And, and I thought, well, if it's God, he'll, he'll take care of all of it. And we're going to send an email out regarding this whole project. And then the $1,000 a month for six months to help them get on their feet and everything. So, you know, I think, okay, $8,000 and they got another, that's $14,000. So all of a sudden I'm hearing what I think God is saying. I'm just giving you an example of my life, but I think it probably applies to some of your lives. I'm sitting down here feeling really good about what God's saying until I got to the part with the money. And they say, $8,000, $1,000. Now, $1,000 a month didn't sound like that much for six months until I, made it, until I did some rapid calculation. And then that's, that's $6,000 on top of $8,000 that we don't have and $6,000 that we don't have. That's $14,000 that we don't have. Well, as long as you don't have it, what does it matter? No, I, that was not my thought process. My thought process was, okay, how are we going to do that? So I bounced it off my wife, and she felt good about it. I bounced it off the trustees, not hoping that anybody wouldn't want to do it, but thinking we need agreement with everybody. Everybody's in agreement. Let's do it. Say, okay, God. And this is what I said. 
Now, I've told you this. You would think I get smarter than I look, but so far I haven't. Uh, I, I, I got all this, and then I said, now, God, that's $14,000 that we need. I'm not sure what to do. And this is what I heard again. I do. And I thought, you know what? He really is smarter than we are. Turn to your neighbor, just tell him again. He really is smarter than we are. And God showed me what to do on an email. We haven't done it yet. It's coming out next week. <laughs> we'll find out if it's God or not. <laughs> now, now, if you're going to walk by faith and not by sight, Romans 5, 7, then we're going to live in Hebrews 11, 1 to do great and mighty exploits. And Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We have the $14,000. I believe it's God's will. We have that money. Where is it? We have that money. I don't see it. I do by the eye of faith. Now, faith pleases God. The worlds were framed by God. God spoke, and it was. The same thing in the old covenant is the way it's to be in the new covenant. But when God speaks, we speak and say the same thing that God said. If God said build a church for $8,000, we speak we're building a church for $8,000. Where's the money coming from? It's coming from the same place that the instructions came from. It's coming from God. How's he going to do it? That's his business. He doesn't share everything with me, and he doesn't share everything with you. But he knows what he's doing. Tell your neighbor, God knows what he's doing. And when we get into agreement and walk by faith and we do this just as the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were made from the things which are not seen. One minute there's nothing there for the church. The next minute the church has $8,000 and all we have is the word of God. That's all we need. Once you have the word of God. Now look at verse number six if you have your Bibles. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That word diligently means crave. It's a, I crave what God has for me to do. You crave what God has for you to do. How many of you know what it's like to crave something food-wise? Uh, like we were up in Monticello yesterday, and I said, did you want some ice cream? And you said no at first. And then as we drove down the street, apparently you started to get a craving because you said, I'd like chocolate in the cup and the little ice cream stand. Yeah. How many of you know what it's like to get a craving like that? The only way you can fulfill a craving is to get rid of it or to satisfy it. Now, there are a lot of distractions that are the wrong things that we try to crave. But if you're craving after the things of God, it will, it, you will walk by faith and not by sight. And that whatever God says, you will believe you can do it. You won't be able to reason out. You're not going to get distracted with reason. You're not going to get distracted by people like Peter who come along and say, no, 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 it's not going to happen that way. And say, get thee behind me. It's not Peter himself. It was the spirit that was trying to use Peter. Several years ago, Lori will remember the story. Several years ago, we were coming back from uh, Lafayette to Tulsa. We were living out in Tulsa at the time. And we were driving a Pontiac station wagon safari diesel. 
biggest piece of junk I ever owned in my life. It was a horrible car. But it was a pretty car, really nice car. And uh, pulled in this gas station about 2 or 3 in the morning. Everybody is sound asleep. And, and I pumped gas in the car and went inside to pay for it. And I said, uh, uh, that Pontiac out there, there only a couple of cars there. I said, Pontiac out there, I need to pay for that diesel gas. How much is it? He said, uh, no diesel, uh, it's regular gas. I said, no, no, I'm on the diesel pump. He said, no, you're not on the diesel pump. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm driving a diesel. He said, well, you may be. <laughs> he said, you may be driving a diesel, but you didn't have a diesel pump. And I said, oh, I don't believe that. And so I went out and looked, and sure enough, he was right. I, I had just filled up an empty tank of cat, uh, diesel with uh, gas. I thought, oh, man, what am I going to do now? Everybody's asleep in the car. And I went back inside, and I said, what do I do? He said, your car's ruined. I said, my car is ruined. He said, yeah, you've ruined the engine. He said, how much did you put in there? I said, full tank. He said, yeah, your car is ruined. I said, that can't be. He said, well, it is. And I said, there's got to be something I can do. And I'm standing there getting ready to cry, getting ready to seek. I don't know what I'm trying to do. I just, I'm, I can't accept that. I, I refuse to accept that. I didn't understand. I was minding what the devil was doing through me by pumping the wrong gas. And so I'm saying, I said, I said, there's got to be another way. And I heard this voice, this guy standing back behind him there about 10 feet. He said, well, there's one hope or there's one, there, there's one thing you could do. Said, What's that? I'll do anything. He said, well, there's this little station next door that's open 24 hours a day. Joe's in there. He said, if you can get Joe to do it, he'll put it up on the lift and he'll siphon the gas out. I said, really? He said, yeah. So I took it next door, and by then some of the kids are still asleep. Pam's awake. And <laughs> you did what? That's what I didn't do it intentionally. And so I'm over there, and I tell this guy the story. Said, oh, I'll help you out. So he puts the car up on the jack. He siphons gas through a hose. I don't know if any of you ever done this. I've never done it. It looks like a terrible thing. And he's sucking all this out, and then it finally gets it going, and it goes into this thing, and he's draining my whole gas tank, John and I, I don't know about Lori, but John, Lori, and Matt, I, they were probably asleep. John, I know, was asleep in the back because he woke up and wondered why he was up in the air. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, this guy drains my entire tank of gas. And like a good guy, I went next door and bought him a pack of gum <laughs> for his breath. But, and, and I don't he didn't charge me very much at all. But it, it saved us. I was refusing to believe the report that was so negative against what I knew God would want to do. I knew God would want to save me even though I made a mistake. I, I made a mistake, but I was distracted. I was a little tired. I just pulled in, grabbed the hose, and unfortunately it fit. But it was a great lesson on faith. I could have stopped with that first report. Your engine, as a matter of fact, when he said You're, you've, you've ruined your engine, I thought, oh, who will I call? How will I get this car back to Tulsa? What will I do with all the kids? I mean, all that type of stuff. And already I was starting to follow the road of distraction instead of the road of faith. But I didn't have anything to put my faith into at that moment other than, and it was enough, God. But I knew I couldn't receive the first report because the first report was death for me. So when you got that report, there's one hope. Yep, I'll take it. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell we got great hope. Now, we have Jesus, and if we'll walk by faith and not by sight, we will accomplish everything that he has for us by never becoming distracted. I refuse to allow myself to be distracted. Now, in Mark eleven twenty two, 
It's a scripture that many of you have heard many, many times. But what happens in our life, the, the two biggest challenges that most of us face, maybe three, we become distracted, we become worried, and we become disappointed. All of those happen to all of us. There isn't a single person here that doesn't experience all three of these. We all get distracted. My wife got distracted one time going through a work zone. Some of you heard the story. Going through a work zone to the point that she attracted a state policeman. He probably thought, who's that good-looking woman? But he... But he wasn't like that. Yeah, it wasn't like that. <laughs> We pulled my wife over and uh, and ended up. She may not. There may have been a sign. She doesn't think there was a sign. The state policeman thought there was a sign. The ticket said there was a sign, and uh, we ended up going to court in Thorn, Thorntown. Thorntown. Again, some of you heard this story. I went with her to really support her, and uh, we got the biggest ticket I've ever heard of: four hundred and fifty dollar ticket. That was quite some time ago. That's the biggest ticket. I don't know. Uh, and, uh, but anyway, I thought I'd help her out. I'm talking to the judge, and he says it's going to cost you $450. And I said, isn't there something she could do to work it out? You know, uh, I, was, I thought I was helping my wife save $450. Now, the judge thought it was funny. Everybody in the courtroom thought it was funny, except one person. And uh, the person I drove home with didn't think it was funny at all. And she said, I don't believe you could have said that in open court. And I said, honey, I, you know, sweep the floor, dust, whatever. You know, but uh, he, he, she was was not very happy about that. Now, the distraction cost some money if it was distraction. I think my wife to this day thinks there wasn't a sign and, and maybe there wasn't. But, but worry and disappointment and distraction are potentially deadly for you. Some things, you know, my distraction with this key was not deadly, but I guarantee you this, it took its toll on my blood pressure for a few minutes because I could feel it. I could feel it like, no, I don't need this today. Have you ever said something like that? I don't need this today, and you got it anyway until you figure out, <laughs> until you figure out what you're going to do about it. Now, in Mark 11, 22, it says, have faith in God, and many of you know this scripture, but we need to live in this realm. Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt, but believes in his heart that he will have the things that he says, they will be done, and he will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. In the old covenant, God said it was so. God said it was so because the people believed God. In the new covenant, it's no different. God said, we say it is done. God said, we say it is done. And then it goes on to say, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. I believe right now we have the $8,000 to build the church in Nepal. I believe we have the $1,000 a month to come in. I believe you will have whatever you are confessing based on your binding and loosing of the things that are hindering you in the realm of the spirit 
that are in the first or the second heavenly. And right now, we live in this realm right here, but in the heavenlies that are up there, not where God lives, but in the heavenlies, there are demonic powers, there are powers and principalities of darkness, there are angelic beings that God has up there for us. You have angels assigned to you, and that what we say is what is activated by what God wants us to accomplish. So whatever God shows us, we are able to do that, and we do it by speaking. When we speak, we loose the power of God, or we loose the power of worry, which is the devil's kingdom of the Antichrist. Worry, doubt, unbelief, and fear all belong to the devil. So when you enter into that realm, you are loosing the power of the devil in your life and in your family. When you are troubled, you are loosing the power of the devil into that situation. You are not loosing the power of God. And so when we speak, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus, you are loosing the power of God. I am, let the rich say, I am I just said that wrong. Let the poor, thank you. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the, let the weak say, I am strong. We speak things that seem to not be as if they were. And when we get into that realm, it becomes a habit. If you do it often enough, it becomes a habit. And if that habit is there, then when mountains occur and obstacles occur in front of you, you don't describe them, you speak to them. And this is what my Bible says about speaking to mountains in the commentary. It says, a mountain is symbolic of an obstacle, a hindrance, or an seemingly insurmountable problem that you are facing. There isn't a single one of us that from time to time don't qualify in that situation. But we don't accept that mountain. We bind that mountain, we speak to that mountain, and that mountain will eventually crumble. We will go through it, we'll go over it, we'll go around it, but it is not going to take our faith because we walk by faith and not by sight. And every time you walk by faith, you are pleasing God. Let's stand to our feet. No matter what you're facing today, God has a divine purpose for your life. And and this is what I want to underscore with this message. There is a divine purpose for your life on this earth. And the only time that you will be totally satisfied is when you are following God's plan and God's purpose for your life. And, And don't allow anything to distract you. The biggest challenge that most people face is probably, are they doing what they would be doing if they answered two questions. Number one, what would you be doing right now if you knew you couldn't fail? Number two, what would you be doing right now if money was not the obstacle? Many of us would say, I'd be doing exactly what I'm doing. For many people, they'd say, no, if that, if that were the case, this is what I'd be doing. That's what you ought to be doing. That's probably God's destiny for your life. Now, don't go out of here and do something foolish. You got to hear from God. But when you hear from God, the devil will try to distract you. 
and you look up and you say, well, yeah, I don't know if it's a distraction or not because it's real. It doesn't matter whether it's real or not. What matters is what did God say about the situation? Don't let things distract you. Don't be worried. Don't be troubled. You focus like a flint on what God is speaking to you. That is your assignment on this earth. Run your race with endurance because someday you're going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Jesus said in Matthew, when he comes again, he's coming to reward us based on what we did with what we were called to do. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to ask you the most important question that you will ever answer. Do you know where you will spend eternal life? Maybe you're here and you've never acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here and you're like the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter. You you know you have walked away from the things of God. I have good news for you. God loves you. God will never stop loving you. But God wants you to come home. And if you're here and you say, I know my life is not right with God. Maybe you've never accepted it. Maybe you've walked away from him. But you'd say, Pastor, you've described me. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air and we're going to pray for you because God loves you and God wants a relationship with you. And all over this church, if I've described you, I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand in the air. We're going to pray for you. But take a moment. Let the Holy Spirit move. Anyone at all. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we know that you're with us. We know that you know every person that is represented here today. 